0: Hello, and welcome to the Why We Argue podcast. I'm Robert Talese. I'm your host. I'm professor of philosophy at Vanderbilt University. Why We Argue is produced by Humility and Conviction in Public Life, a project based at the University of Connecticut, which explores how to balance our deepest commitments with open-mindedness, a respect for reason, and intellectual humility. The series, it's made possible by generous funding from the John Templeton Foundation, features brief discussions with publicly-minded thinkers about the state of civil discourse in contemporary democracy. Today, my guest is John Corvino. John is professor of philosophy at Wayne State University in Detroit. His academic work focuses on topics in moral, social, and legal philosophy surrounding sexuality, gender, marriage, religious conviction, and discrimination. But John is also an active public philosopher who frequently participates in public debates on these topics. He's written for many popular venues, including The New York Times, The Huffington Post, The Advocate, and The New Republic. He also produces and appears in a popular YouTube series of short videos devoted to the philosophical discussion of controversial topics. He's the author of the Oxford University Press book, What's Wrong with Homosexuality? And he's the co-author with Maggie Gallagher of Debating Same-Sex Marriage. Most recently, he has published a book-length debate with Ryan Anderson and Sharif Gerges titled Debating Religious Liberty and Discrimination. Hi, John. Hello. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks well, for having me on. Well, thank you for joining me uh, for the Why We Argue podcast. Um, I thought we would begin, um, uh, if we may, uh, with uh, some background. So you're a very active uh, philosopher, both as an academic and as a, uh, as a publicly engaged intellectual. Um, these days, uh, philosophers um, frequently are urging each other uh, to engage in more a uh, uh, public activity to to uh, uh, involve the general public in philosophical discussion. Um, a lot of this, I'm sad to say, is merely talk. Uh, but not in your case, you really do it. Um, so, for example, uh, you you go on the road to publicly debate prominent conservative intellectuals about same-sex marriage. Uh, you produce very um, uh, expertly uh, um, uh, scripted and and shot YouTube uh, clips. Uh, where you, you, you talk about philosophy. Um, maybe you could tell us a little bit about uh, the range of your public philosophy activities. Sure. Well, I never set out to be
1: a public philosopher, but I, I've often been driven by the question, how can I make myself useful? And, um, <laughs> you know, when I was in grad school, uh, we... Um, Uh, we were trying to figure out what to do for gay, lesbian awareness week, and we didn't have much of a budget in the, in the, in the student group. And I said, well, I'll do a, a talk on the moral arguments surrounding homosexuality. And, uh, that talk, uh, which was in 1992 is the first time I gave it. There's a clip on my YouTube page from, from 1992. Uh, I started getting invitations to do that in other places. And before I knew it, I, I, you know, was, was known for, you know, doing these sort of moral defenses of same sex relationships. And, you know, partly from that, uh, I had the opportunity to contribute some op-eds to places and started getting invitations to do that sort of thing. And partly from all of that activity, when the when the marriage debate became much more of a thing in, in the United States about a decade or so ago, I started doing a lot more of that. So uh, for me, it's been an opportunity to sort of do what I do, but I don't know, in a larger classroom, if you will. I mean, I sometimes think of it as an extension of of teaching, uh, which in a way it is.
0: Well, excellent. Um, and, and one difference though, I suspect, um, uh, with teaching is that, um, well, maybe this isn't a difference. I'm not sure. Uh, um, do, do you sometimes have to deal with more hostile audiences? <laughs>
1: um, I, I, th- I thought you were going to say that one difference with teaching is with teaching we have a captive audience in a sense. Um, you know, whereas you know with you know YouTube channel people can switch to a different page or an op-ed they you know can 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 switch to a different page or put their phone down or throw the paper down or whatever it is they're doing. Um, but with uh, a classroom, students kind of have to show up if they want to pass the class. But uh, but students don't always show up either and when they show up they you know they they, they can go on their facebook pages or whatever it is uh, they want to do um uh yeah th- th- there is the, the the possibility of a hostile audience i mean i've been fortunate in that a lot of the work that i've done has been on college campuses you know i i've traveled around over the last 25 years i i think i've been to something like 250 campuses and you know On a college campus, there's a sort of automatic tone of, you know, this is a place where we're supposed to have thoughtful dialogue, and people usually rise to the occasion on that. Uh, Maybe not always, but but usually. Of course, the internet complicates that a little bit because the anonymity of the internet uh, gives people a sense of license to to be as, as nasty as they like. And, you know, I often say, you know, never read the bottom half of the Internet. Just don't look at the comments. But, of course, I do look at the comments because you want to see how people are reacting to what it is that you're putting up there, whether it's a uh, an op-ed or a video or, or whatever it is. And, uh, sure, I mean, that, that does sometimes get nasty, and, and one just has to develop a, a thick skin. It's one of the, the perils of doing public philosophy work.
0: So um, you, you've described uh, the work thus far as um... – uh, something that you that sort of has that something that sort of befell you, um, but um, that can't be the whole story because uh, you keep it up and um, you're constantly looking for it seems to me anyway, you're constantly looking for new ways to to uh, to reach out. Um, mm-hmm. what do you see as the point of public engagement for philosophers? Well.
1: I mean, I think it, that answer is probably going to vary from person to person. In my case, it really was driven by this, how can I make myself useful? You know, at the time in the early nineties, when I started it, uh, I, uh, there was still, I, I think, was, I mean, it was still a majority of, of the country thought that, um, same sex relationships were wrong. Certainly, uh, uh, a strong majority thought that same sex marriage was wrong and, I wanted to contribute to and respond to that live debate, and, you know, more recently with uh, same-sex marriage being a reality across the country now, after the Obergefell decision, um, new debates arising about, well, how do we, you know, coexist with people who still don't agree that, that we should be allowed to do that, and you have, you know, controversies surrounding city uh, county clerks who don't want to issue marriage licenses or bakers and florists and so on who don't want to sell products and services to same-sex couples and again you know i i wanted to uh be helpful in all of that now after doing it for 20 something years i there are some things i think i've gotten good at and when you feel like you've developed a certain expertise you, you start to enjoy doing that you know you sort of get in the zone of all right this 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 is you know, this is what I do and how I do it. And so so I'm, I'm driven to do it in part because I, I feel like I'm able to contribute something more given the experience. Uh, but, you know, I, when I say that, when I describe it as something that I sort of fell into, it was really uh, then and, and even now, I, I think a, a series of somewhat lucky opportunities to contribute something to people who are hungry for a, a certain kind of dialogue, a certain kind of discourse. And I'm, I'm really grateful that I'm able to do that.
0: Right. Right. What, what do you think the value is? So, you know, it's one thing to, um, uh, to go and give publicly accessible philosophy talks about the issues that matter, uh, about, about important things. Um, a lot of us, a lot of us do that. Um, You're frequently, though, um, appearing in contexts where um, you're speaking alongside um, an opponent uh, or a critic. Um, You're sharing the stage with Maggie Gallagher. (laughs) Um, Is there a a special benefit to um, this more uh, debate or give and take or uh, uh, see the two sides or see two sides uh, engage with each other? Is there something, is there some additional value uh, in, in that, do you think?
1: Yes, I think it gives extra clarity. I think it sharpens the argument. I think it models for people the possibility of genuine thoughtful dialogue. And I've tried very hard to choose interlocutors who believe in this, who you know really are interested in you know, generating more light than heat uh, in these debates. And I, th- I think... One of the comments that I've been most pleased by, you know, whether it's debates with Maggie or more recently with Ryan Anderson and Sharif Gerges and and, and those guys and I are, are pretty active right now talking about these issues around religious liberty and discrimination. I think one of the comments I've been most pleased by is when people come up to us afterwards and say, you know, I don't know that I've changed my mind on anything, but I really... You know, you really got me to think about this more and realize that these issues are are more difficult than I thought they were. And you know, with so much polarization, with so much opportunity to close ourselves off into our own little social media bubbles, into our own not just social media, but media bubbles, where we we don't uh, listen to the things that uh, contradict what what we already believe. I think it's nice to create a space for people to say no. Let's let's really push on this and and, and let's recognize that there are smart and thoughtful people out there who think about these things in a way that's very different from how we do.
0: So um, that all sounds um, right to me for what, for what that's worth. Um, I mean, I suspect, though, that you, um, you're you subject to pushback from, um, from uh, particularly from people who are on your side of the arguments. Mm-hmm. Um, my guess is that um, you're sometimes criticized Um, by people who agree with your substantive views. Uh, And the criticism would run something like this. Um, By debating Maggie Gallagher, um, you are giving a platform to a view that is despicable and hateful and problematic in all kinds of other respects. You are uh, legitimizing uh, that kind of view by uh, signaling that it is something to be engaged with. Um, Do you get that criticism? And if you do, how do you respond?
1: I definitely get that criticism. I've I've been getting that criticism for years. And I mean, the first response I want to give is to acknowledge that it's a criticism worth taking seriously. I mean, you know, I, I said a moment ago that there are a lot of hard questions around these issues. Well, one of the hard questions is, you know, how much space do we give to issues with which we just, dis- or, or viewpoints with which we disagree. And, you know, I certainly believe there's a lot to be said for, you know, the, the, sort of the million approach of, you know, we, 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 get all the, the, the different arguments out there and, and we, in the marketplace of ideas and we, and, and we let, you know, let the, the truth sort of shine forth. But I also think that, you know, we number one, have a limited amount of time and space and energy and we want to, Um, use that productively, and we don't necessarily want to give platforms to people who um, are putting forth things that are harmful. Uh, And I do believe that some of the views on the other side are are not just wrong, but harmful. Um, And also, I think that, yes, we are interested in truth, that that, that, that's important, and and that that's a value, but there are other values, and, and, and Making sure that that people aren't hurt is important and to the extent that we create a platform for, for harmful views um, we, we we really need to be concerned about the, the possible consequences of that So I, the first thing I want to do is acknowledge that that is a, a real and legitimate concern I also want to say though that these views that I'm criticized for giving a platform to already have a platform I mean, when Maggie and I did the book debating same-sex marriage half the country believe that same sex marriage is wrong. We, the, the country was divided at that point about half and half. It's really quite amazing how much change there's been in a relatively short period of time on that question. Um, uh, some of the people that I've debated, uh, you know, are people with, um, you know, prestigious, uh, appointments at, at, at prestigious universities. I mean, these are people who have a platform and, these are views that are widely held and, you know, we could ignore them. We can try to silence them. We can try to shame them, but we, you know, that that's not necessarily going to make them go away. And I think, you know, one of the things we learned in the last election is, you know, there, there are a lot of people out there in the country who, uh, you know, whatever, whatever a person, Political beliefs are. There are a lot of people out there in the country who believe radically different things than, <laughs> than what we believe, you know. Uh, and ignoring that, uh, you know, trying to just say, "Oh, I'm not even going to dignify that with a response," can have disastrous consequences sometimes because it allows those viewpoints to uh, flourish uh, to some extent in hiding, right? And then, and then we well, we're surprised when you know people vote and people do things and and. The results are, are quite different from what we expected.
0: Right. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're aware that um, uh, Richard Dawkins uh, has a has a policy, adopted a policy. It's got to be over ten years ago now, of never debating creationists. Okay. And um, his reasoning for for this is, well, the the creationists who are interested in debating Richard Dawkins um, publicly they're not really interested in the outcome of the debate. They're just interested in having their name appear on a flyer next to his. Um, That there's a way in which, according to Dawkins, the creationist community is interested in the debate forum, um, uh, not for the reasons that you're interested in the debate forum in your case, but for PR and marketing reasons. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you see a, a danger of that kind?
1: Yeah, so okay so that's a, a somewhat different concern of course i'm n- not nearly as famous as richard dawkins i mean i wish i had richard dawkins book sales but i don't <laughs> um so i don't know that being having their name alongside my name really does hmm. them much credit <laughs> uh, um uh, you know i mean but look i mean i the, the books i published i published with oxford university press and somebody could say look that's a that's a prestigious platform and you know maggie gallagher you know, may not have uh had that platform, had you not done the book, you know, R- Ryan Anderson and Sharif Gerges, both of whom, you know, uh, uh, you know, Ryan has a Ph.D. from Notre Dame. Sharif is working on his Ph.D. at Princeton and has a J.D. from Yale. I mean, they're, 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 they're smart and educated people. And in their cases, I don't doubt that they um, could and would, uh, you know, have that kind of platform at some point. But, you know, do, do we have to give them that that platform now? Uh, I, I could see somebody raising that concern. But again, um you know these views are held not just by many people among the masses but by people in, in prestigious places with prestigious appointments at prestigious universities um, I don't know how much extra shine you know they get from, from 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 publishing with these publishers or from being on a on a poster with Richard Dawkins or let alone with with me
0: so. right right. One further question along these same lines. um earlier you said that you were very gratified by um one response to um your 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 public debate activity where somebody comes up and says, "Oh wow, you know i uh, you give me this has given me a lot to think about and um, now I see that um, these issues are, are, are more complicated than I was inclined to think before I uh, was, was, was present to, to witness uh, uh, this exchange. What, what do you think the good is of um, somebody who uh, walks into uh, the lecture hall with what you take to be the correct view mm-hmm. of whatever the topic is? Uh, what's the good of that person emerging from after uh, seeing you uh, debate uh, Maggie Gallagher? What's the good of that person emerging from that exchange with the idea that things are more complicated?
1: Well, I think they end up with a better grasp on the correct view. I mean, this this is a place where I really do agree with, with Mill and on right. Liberty, right? That if we, if we you know, if we, if we silence certain voices in the debate, um, you know we lose the like maybe our belief is wrong and we're losing the opportunity of exchanging error for truth maybe our belief is right but we're not really clear on why we hold that and um, you know by by failing to engage with the views on the other side we kind of enfeeble our own grasp uh, of what's right uh, and make it less efficacious out there in the world as we as we go out there into the world so <clears throat> so yes I, i'm glad when people show up with what I think of as the right view. Um, and I think that when they emerge having a more complex understanding of, of that, that right view, that doesn't make them weaker. That makes them stronger. They, they, they now have the, the right view about more things because they they recognize more of the nuance.
0: I see. Great. So, um, here's the, you, you know, you've been, um, very generous with your time, John. So I wanted to make sure that that uh, before we uh, we have to wrap up, I wanted to, to get to what I regard as the the, the really hard question uh, uh, for for us philosophers who uh, share as I do share roughly your views about the goodness of engagement and some of the million commitments that you were just discussing. Um, so much of the the work that you do, both academically and as a as a as a as a public thinker. Uh, and Public Philosopher, um, is focused on topics um, and disagreements that call into play deeply held moral convictions and um, deeply entrenched emotional investments uh, in both your interlocutors and in the onlooking audience. Um, Now, you've had a lot of experience uh, with this. Do you have any um, uh, advice or have you learned any lessons about how Uh, it's possible to sort of authentically and sincerely and vigorously engage in debate uh, uh, over these topics with interlocutors and in front of an audience that is deeply invested in their views. Um, uh, How can we mix or how can we combine that kind of engagement with um open mindedness and respect for the other side, even in the case where you have to think that the other side is 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 wrong in some some very uh severe way.
1: Well I keep a well-stocked liquor cabinet I'll tell you that <laughs> no, I, actually, actually that 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 feeds into to one part of my answer to you uh, that which is that you got to keep a, a good sense of humor as you do this because otherwise um, it really could be quite draining um i I think that a big part of my advice in, in, in all this is to build relationships and because in, in building those relationships, you create a, a zone of, of trust where you can actually um, float ideas and, and, and have a real exchange and back and forth of ideas without feeling, okay, this person is just, you know, whatever I say, whenever, whatever doubts I express, this person is just going to use it against me. Uh, they're, they're, they're the only reason they're listening is just because they want to pounce and and, and and vice versa and you know it, it's easy to get into those kinds of situations and you know and, and recently I, I mean I've had to do you know some of the you know news shows are all going like CNN or Fox and you've got like three minutes and, and, and you're debating somebody and, it, and it's it's terrible in terms of trying to uh, promote a, a more thoughtful dialogue so you're just trying to get your sound bites out and, that, and that's what you're trying to do there So I think one thing that's really important is to to build relationships with people on the other side that, that you respect, that you think of, even though you think they're wrong, you think they're thoughtful people, you think they're sincere, uh, in their willingness to engage um, uh, rigorously, uh, and uh, you know, creating that opportunity for a, a real give and take, and and then I think also recognizing one's own limitations. I mean, I you know, for myself, I've I've had to understand. When it's time to engage, and when I need to sort of step back a little bit and do some self-care and 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 check in with uh, um, um, people that you know are on my side and have got my back, because because it it can be draining, and I think we we need to be honest about that. I mean, I, I think people sometimes see me up on stage, or they'll they'll see me in a debate, or on TV, or whatever it is, and they'll think, Gosh, I mean, everything just must roll off his back. Nothing seems to faze him, and. And, you know, they don't see like after the camera is off and I throw something across the room because I'm so frustrated with myself because I didn't say quite the right thing and so on. It it, it can be very hard. And um, acknowledging that and taking care of oneself is very important.
0: One further. Sort of, do you think that um, philosophy can change people's minds about these kinds of issues? Yes,
1: I, I, because I, I know philosophy can change people's, mi- people's minds. I mean, I, in my mind has been changed on, on some issues over the years. Uh, but I also know, you know, I know people who have, have written to me who, um, whose minds have been changed. And I, you know, I I think that the the process itself is valuable, right? I mean, one, one of the things that I, I like to underscore as somebody who does public philosophy and someone who works on Popular issues, for lack of a better term, uh, I still think there's a value to philosophy that um, doesn't do that, right? I, I I believe in you know I mean sometimes colleagues who do sort of abstruse stuff in, in metaphysics and epistemology, and I think you know that, that it, it it's valuable to carve out a space for that too because there's something distinctively human about you know just sort of working through these these arguments and these problems. Um, just just for the sake of deeper understanding not because it helps us you know solve some problem in the quote unquote real world or because it you know helps us figure out how we you know what kind of policies we ought to have in in, in, in government and so on so so i think there there's there's room for all of that but yes um, you know in my own work i i believe that philosophy can change people's minds and i've seen it happen
0: John, uh that is a, a an appropriately um optimistic um uh tone to uh to end on uh that you know re- reason philosophy philosophical arguments can change people's minds and we've seen it happen um so uh, i want to thank you uh for joining me today uh on the the why we argue podcast
1: thanks so much i really appreciate being on
0: Um, And thank you for listening to the Why We Argue podcast, uh, which I will remind you, uh, is produced by the University of Connecticut's Humility and Conviction in Public Life project with generous support from the John Templeton Foundation. You can follow the project on Twitter and on Facebook at ampersand public humility. That's at public humility, one word. Take care for now. Thank you for listening.